It started in November 2010, when one guy decided it was time to show the denizens of the internet that there was more to Superman's adventures from the 70s and early 80s than Alan Moore and Kryptonite Nevermore. Now, three and a half years later, that mission continues. This is the 100th episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. everybody and welcome to the super spiffy awesome 100th episode of superman in the bronze age i am your lovable host charlie neymar and joining me for this special occasion is my friend and co-host who i'm pointing to even though he's not standing next to me jay david Weter. you may know me from the internet but you know what you can call me dave did i get hey. all my catchphrases in there okay uh yeah i think so um i think well, do you have one from Daredevil? No, that's, that's the Dave. Yeah. So, yeah, you got them all. Welcome to the show again, or to the front half, or to the front, the main part. Welcome. Well, now it's all confusing now because I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. You're not usually here for this. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, this is weird. I, uh, we only do this like twice a year where we get to talk to each other. Really? <laughs> and last time was a six-hour car ride. Yeah. Well, other than the Christmas episode, but yes, six-hour car ride. It was. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Christmas episode. Well, technically, 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 twelve hours because six each way, and then we had the whole weekend. Yeah, the whole, so yeah. So are you plan now? I've heard that E. Nelson, not E. Nelson, because he's not with us anymore. E. or Elliot S. Magan is going to be at the Superman celebration this year. Are you thinking about going? I am considering it. It's going to be tricky, but I'm I'm definitely more intrigued. Dean Kane is also going to be there, which got me excited. Uh, well, well, now, I'm, and I'm nothing against Dean Kane because I think he's a great guy, mm-hmm. but he's charging for autographs, which is kind of one of the first times I've seen that at the festival. Ooh. So it's yeah, like, it's nice. 40 for, for something, 60 for another, 40 for a photo op. Plus, you know how early you're going to need to be there to get the ticket to then go and see him? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm the guy that started sitting in line for tickets at 10 o'clock at night for a 7 a.m. ticket grab. Yeah. And that was and for Brandon if... Routh. Jeez. <laughs> well, how many, well, how many times are you going to hang out with, with Superman fans at, overnight in Metropolis? I don't know. Only, it's only like once a year. That's the only time I've done it because that's the only yeah. time I like this. <laughs> this is fun one time. That's about it. I've only done it once. And we podcasted for part of it. So yes. That was uh, 
Billy D. Williams will also be at Superman Celebration, which is in Metropolis, Illinois. We we had a good time last year. We got to meet up with Billy Hogan of Superman Fan Podcast. Not D. Williams of Star Wars fame and Dancing with the Stars. No, no. Well, he'll be there. Billy D. Williams will be, but I don't think Billy Hogan plans on going. No. No, he, he, he actually got to interview some people there. It was a lot of fun. He even got to guest star on our show. We, we dragged him. We literally Billy. dragged him. <laughs> <laughs> he came in. He was like, hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Billy, come on our show. Yes. And he was there. <laughs> Fortunately, we had that nice blue snowball microphone so we could pick him up without having to give him a headset or something. That was cool. R.I.P. My, my snowball. Oh, but you got a new one. Yeah, I got a Yeti now. Yes, the Yeti. Her. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, let's, this is our, well, as I said earlier, this is our 100th episode. Uh, and we are very excited to be doing this. We are covering a very special issue that actually kind of t- not only ties into what Dave normally talks about on the show, but also has some, a couple of big repercussions for the future of DC Comics, I would say. From, a little well, bit. <laughs> yeah. from, from the point of this comic, not, you know, for na- not the future of now. Or, that's confusing. Anyway, exactly. So, before we get to any of that, first we are going to do emails, because we got some. And I am going to go ahead and read the first one, if that's okay with you. I think you should. Okay, I will read the first one. The first one is from our friend... Professor Allen, yay, host of the, the Quarterband podcast and co-host of the Short Box Showcase with his daughter Emily. Did I say Emily? Emily, which both of which are part of the Relatively Geeky podcast, because hopefully you get the pun. And Professor Allen writes to us saying, "Charlie," and I'm going to throw in, and Dave, I love the last ep- the last few episodes. I always thought the Parasite was a legitimate, powerful opponent for Superman, but I just don't think he gets his due as an A-lister. I may be biased, as Parasite was featured in one of the first Superman comics I ever owned, Superman 304 from 1976, The Heart of the Bronze Age. I'll continue to enjoy the show until you bring it to an end. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Keep up the good work. Professor Allen. Yay, 100. Thank you, Professor. Yes, we made it. I've never reached to 100 of anything, so this is really cool. You've never done 100 push-ups? Dude, I can't even do 10. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> you, you've, you've met me. You've seen my arms. Do I look like I could do 10 push-ups? I, can't, I can barely do one pull-up. You might want to work on that. You're going to be yeah, picking up a baby soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'm hoping. See, they start off kind of light. But that progresses. I guess that's <laughs> well, like progressing so through a workout. <laughs> so will my muscles. There you go. See? Speaking of which, before we get to the next team, I do want to give a shout out to two people who will probably never hear this episode, but I'm going to do this anyway. My brother, Kevin, and his wife, Rachel, today, as we record this, gave birth to my first nephew, Micah James Niemeyer. Is there something in the water in Oklahoma? They're in Maryland, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I just want to, you know, quick shout out. I, I have a new nephew as of today. Congratulations. He's about three weeks early, but he's healthy and happy and huge. So once you get to about 12 nieces and nephews, the thrill is gone. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I'll take your word for it. We've got three through uh, three. Yeah. Three plus three honoraries. Yep. I have 12. One for each disciple. So one of them is going to betray <laughs> me one day. Well, that's, I guess that's comparing me to somebody I shouldn't be comparing myself to. 
Especially considering what the day we're yeah. recording is. Easter, Easter weekend is probably not the weekend to do <laughs> yeah. that. No, 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 no. I might cut it out, but I doubt it. Okay, so, Dave, you have the next email. I do. It is from, it's a comment from Russell Bragg, our old buddy. Yay, Russell! Russell! Uh, Russell writes, hello, Charlie. Hello, Dave. Hi, Russell. Hello, Russell. Well, guys, congratulations to both of you for reaching the milestone of 100 episodes. It's a great feat, and you should both be very proud. I'm going to start this email by answering or adding to some of the things Charlie was talking about last time. Oh, good. It may be a little weird talking about Superman taking a shower, but I do remember him taking a shower in a comic, but of course I can't remember which issue. I remember he sticks his head out of the shower and grabs for his costume, which is on a hanger. He mentions, which I always thought was cool, how he'd better hurry up and fly through the sun to dry off before he's late for work. I guess he ran out of towels on that day. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> this sounds like one of those weird Silver Age things where it's like, he needs to put out a fire, so he's going to find this big rock to squeeze the water out of. Yes. You would think that flying you know, at super speed to the office would kind of dry him off, but whatever. <laughs> it's, that definitely sounds Silver Age and it sounds familiar yeah. but I can't place it either yeah I can't either Russell continues it does appear that Lana Lang was shown more consistently in action comics after she was revealed as Clark Kent's co-anchor in Superman comics the Earth One Solomon Grundy appears only two more times according to Mike's Amazing World DC Comics presents number 8 and Detective Comics 523 or 523 if you're counting correctly <laughs> Oscar, Oscar Asherman's first recorded appearance was in Superman 270 and showed up 16 more issues after that. Showed up in 16 more issues. Because I can read. <laughs> Just barely. And finally, Mayor Harkness doesn't appear in too many comics either. His first was Superman number 263, which I have, by the way. I don't think his first name was given. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't wait to hear what you guys have cooked up for us today. But I'm sure the truckload of emails you have to read first. <laughs> I guess I'll have to be patient. Guess I'd better be end for now. Thanks for keeping me entertained at work. And once again, congratulations. Yay. You should see the truckload. It's it's, a, it's like a Hot Wheels mini truck. Ah, it's not that small. It's like a Tonka truck. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Before you hit it with the hammer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't uh. damage those things. You just fall over them. <laughs> the middle of the night. Exactly. If you're my dad. Uh. They're die-cast, too. That's the hard part. I mean, they are really tough. Unintended. They're, they're not just tough. They're Tonka tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next email comes from someone I know pretty well. Uh, my wife, Angie, wrote in. And she writes, <clears throat> she writes, and I'm going to probably start blushing, but fortunately this isn't a video podcast, so you can't see it. If you start crying, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to hold myself together. But she writes, Charlie, I am so proud of you for setting out and doing this podcast thing. Even though I may have whined from time to time about the way late nights, the inconvenient scheduling, lack of pay for doing this, and the evenings I was forced to watch Grey's Anatomy all by my lonesome, even though she spelled Grey's wrong, I have supported you every step of the way. Okay. You uh, really? No, your wife kidding. is doing something incredibly sweet and you correct her spelling? Well, yeah. Oh, no, you got to rethink your priorities, that's all. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just re-record this part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you set out to do something you would enjoy and have met some amazing people along the way. This was another tool that God used to bring you out of your shell and blossom you into more than meets the eye. Yes, I know that's Transformers and not Superman, but it fit. It did. I taught her that, by the way. The, the, that and the 
G.I. Joe uh, knowing is half the battle and the other half's red lasers and blue lasers. <laughs> she learned that from me as well. Anyway, uh, congratulations on seeing this through and reaching your 100th episode. That's pretty epic. You are going to be such a great daddy and set great example for our kids. You're setting goals and achieving them. You always will be my one and only Superman. I'm really proud of you. I love you. Love, Angie. Aw. No, actually, I, I, I do. I think that's incredibly sweet. Like, I'm actually, I'm actually genuinely moved by that. And It's very sweet. See, not too many wives write into the, their husbands on their shows. I can so only I think feel, of one other one. Pretty special. Uh, Rachel Bailey shows up on the shows. Yeah, uh, two then, others. Then Angela. Yeah, I was show up. Angela. And she's she's written up. emails in for yes. Andy <laughs> because they don't have any or something. So she'll write them in just to be sweet. So thank you, Angie. She probably also will not listen to this, but uh, thank you very much, sweetheart. I think that's that's actually. I, I'm I'm thanking you for him. So. Yes. Yes. It was very sweet. And and yes, I have met some amazing people. I mean, there's the Superman Podcast Network. I didn't know any of those people really before this. Uh, Dave, obviously. I mean, heck, we know each other enough that we traveled <laughs> a long way and spent a whole weekend together. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, and heck, you know, we, we still meet up from time to time. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. And then, of course, you know. I've been on other shows, which I wouldn't have been invited to if I wasn't doing this show. And Dave's been invited to shows, which he probably still would have been invited to because he does other shows. But still, it was nice. Well, no, I mean, the the, the journey of Superman Forever Radio and this show started pretty much neck and neck. And, you know, they kind of at at one point I came over here because, well, I just came over here. And um, (laughs) so, I mean, the journey has been kind of congruent along, along the path. So, I mean, I see exactly, I mean, a lot of this I think of as starting with that, merging into this. And so, I mean, I definitely, I'd say meeting a lot of people has been the very best part of this podcasting. Oh, yes. In fact, I think you started, what, like on a Halloween? It was Halloween 2010. Yeah, and I think I started literally maybe two weeks later. Yeah. Maybe. We had no idea. So, I mean. No clue. <laughs> and we just, and we were just the start, I think. When we, when you and I started our shows, it was us and then the Radio KAL from Crisis to Crisis and Superman Fan Podcast. Yep. And then you and I did our shows, and then we hit the new year, and boom! Suddenly we had two different Golden Age shows, and then uh, Scott started doing his Superman show, and now we've got a show about Steel, uh, a Supergirl show, a Superboy show, I think. Uh, there is one for Connor, yeah, and there was well, yeah. there was briefly one for the Golden Age, but yeah, and there I think uh, Sam Rizzo's got his Superboy show too, I think. Yes, and then he's still on the promo, I know. Well, you've got <laughs> things like Blue and Gold, like Superman yes. and Booster Gold. At first, I raised an eyebrow, but now yeah, I, I, was, I, like, I, uh... I love that show. So, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like because the first thing you think of, well. Brewster's only been in like a, f- a handful of Superman comics, and then they were teammates on the Justice League, and then that one or two episodes of Smallville. So where did they come? But the, he's making it work. You can't knock it. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, this is about our show, not theirs. Yeah, you know. yeah but it's, it's it's been <laughs> it, it's been I, pretty amazing. Yeah, suffice it to say. I mean, podcasting as a whole, specifically starting with these shows, has been. Kind of like Angie said, it's been a really great journey and something that I never thought I'd be able to do. So, mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely didn't. I mean, I am a very shy guy. 
and this has really helped me not be quite as shy anymore. Yeah, two shy guys in the Superman celebration decided not to interview anybody. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, technically, we actually did interview them. We just didn't have a mic and all the yeah. stuff. <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> I mean, we did talk to Brett Breeding, and we did talk to Ron Friends, and we did talk to... Um, uh, His name blinked on Franco? Me. Franco? James Franco Art, wasn't Art there. Art Balthazar? Art Balthazar was there. That's the one. We talked to him, and then we talked to some people that more do more independent stuff and aren't actually part of DC Comics or anything. But yeah, we, we actually did interviews. We just didn't record them. It was pretty fun. But we should probably get back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, and we've both been on the Two True Freak shows. Yes. And you know you've made it in podcasting when you've been invited to a Two True Freak show. I had and two we've... come out on the same day. They were both... Wow. <laughs> now, see, we've both been on two different shows. At least, Well, no, you've been on more. But still, we've been we've both been on at least two of the shows. So I, I feel pretty good. Well, it's, it turns out, and I don't know if this is an appropriate word, but I'm a whore. Oh, well, there you go. A podcast whore. Yeah. 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 Thank you, you invite me, and normally I will come. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Talk about, you want to talk about Blue Devil? Actually, I would totally love to talk about Blue Devil, but... <laughs> That's not the Blue best Devil example. Blue Devil Bronze Age is the next <laughs> show coming soon. From di- no, uh, anyway, okay. Um, next up, I guess we've got a voicemail, mm-hmm. and we've never had one of these before. But Russell Bragg, because just one email from him was not enough. Russell actually sent us a voicemail. So if anyone's ever wondered what Russell Bragg sounds like, which I, I know I was one of them. Yeah, I don't know about you, uh, but this is it. So. Let me play that for you. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Dave. I hope you're both doing well on this suspicious occasion. Wow, a hundred episodes. And maybe even more than that with two-parters or if your first episode was a zero episode. I can't really remember. Anyway, congratulations. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Superman and Bronze Age is a great podcast. I believe it was two Christmases ago that my wife bought me an iPod. I didn't know anything about them, and I sure as heck didn't know what a podcast was. I pretty much went to iTunes and put in my favorite subjects, names, ideas, whatever I could think of in a search engine. Superman was my first search. Of course, as you know, there are tons of podcasts listed there. The title of yours struck my eye first. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I am a pre-crisis on Infinite Earth Superman fan, and the Bronze Age is the era I grew up in. So I'm very much more familiar with that Superman. I can't remember if you were taking your long sabbatical then, but I believe I had caught up by the time you came back. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I loved the format then. I think you were going in book order by date. The follow-up format of randomness and the current format featuring the Marty Pasco years to close out your show. I've also enjoyed J. David Weider's segments on the Bronze Age Superboy and currently with Dave Weider Presents, covering DC Comics Presents, one of my all-time favorite comic books. It has been an honor to, be, to have been your most consistent email writer. I guess I can't say here's to the next 100. I will be sorry to see the show end, but it has been a great ride. Take care, and thank you both for keeping me entertained at work. Well, thank you, Russell. That, that was, was actually excellent. pretty sweet. Yes, he sent a message along with it. He said, I hope this sounds okay and you can use it, Russell Bragg. Clarksburg, West Virginia. P.S. Have a new appreciation for you and your fellow podcasters. Making this voice email was hard for me. 
I don't like the sound of my own voice, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm strictly reading from a script. You guys are amazing to make it sound so easy. Aw. Well, thanks. Aw. I don't think any podcaster likes the sound of their own voice, except maybe Kevin Smith. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, especially when he's trying to introduce his guests. So, yeah, I... uh, you're you're in the same boat as everyone else there, Russell. Uh, Especially after yeah, after you've spent hours of listening to yourself prattle on and yes. on. Because you got about what an hour or so listening to yourself record it, and then double that with the editing. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's uh yeah. So welcome to the club. And now now Russell, you're ready to start a podcast. Yep, you're ready to go. Yes, start it, and then and then we can email you. Whoa. Isn't that just backwards? And Russell has been, you know, the most consistent emailer. I think it's time that he does start a show. I do want to say something because Russell was a consistent emailer to another show we were doing, Starman Observatory. And unfortunately, for those that aren't aware, we did go ahead and end that show. There's one more sitting in the can. I don't know when I'm going to be able to sit down and edit it because that's a three-hour epic. But I will be releasing <laughs> a four. We will be releasing the fourth episode. But for the time being. Just mostly due to my horrific work schedule, that show has been put on the shelf indefinitely. So I'm sorry to announce that, but we just it's hard to line up our schedules. Yeah, we had a lot of fun recording. If you mm-hmm. Hopefully that comes across on the yes. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not too many shows that we get to throw that, those, that many innuendos in one two or three hour record. That's It's pretty epic. Um, but yeah, we, we, but we all had a lot of fun on it. It, it's a shame. Uh, we are all saddened that we have to stop doing it, but it was just getting too impossible, as noted by the large amount of time between episode two and three. Yes. Considering we were a monthly show, <laughs> and we still missed <laughs> like two or three months. Uh, yeah, it was just, unfortunately, it just wasn't working. It's a shame. But so, so Russell, there's, there you go. You can do Starman. Yeah. Take it over. Yeah. Or hey, DC Comics presents. You know, after Dave's done, and I mean, there's he's only doing. I mean, you're not covering every episode, every issue, right? So he could do all of them. I would. I would highly recommend that. Actually, that would be awesome. So there you go, Russell. We gave you just two ideas. Go for it. I can't wait to see here or to read his reaction to this. so uh after with that we will go to a quick break and then to play a couple promos possibly having something to do with the with with dave but but i i I don't know it's not like i'm the one that puts the show together and we'll be right back superman of the bronze age will be back after these messages i prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night searching for justice blind justice a guardian devil. <laughs> <clears throat> no, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil. You get it. You get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. 
Take the Dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, The Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, The Schuster Herald Podcast, It's Superman, The Carousel Podcast, The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen Podcast. The world's best podcast and Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Hey guys, hope you're all enjoying the 100th episode so far. I just need to stop in and take a minute to point out that this episode, like most of our episodes, is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. With their network of sites, you can get new comics, digital comics, and comic collections, all at reduced prices through the mail. We would like to thank DCBS for sponsoring most of this show's 100 episodes. Please make sure you check them out at dcbservice.com. And now, back to the show. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. All right, and our issue, as I mentioned earlier, well, no, I didn't because I didn't tell you what issue it is. The issue we are covering today is DC Comics Presents Annual Number One. Uno. With Uno, yes, for all you, for all of our Spanish listeners or Mexican. Uh, the cover date is from 1982. It had an on-sale date of around June 17, 1982, according to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, and had a cover price of $1. The title of – before we get into the title, let's look at the beautiful cover. This is a cover uh, drawn by Rich Buckler yes. and Dick Giordano, and it's got the lovely annual trade dress at the top and it's dc comics presents superman and the golden age superman using the old golden age version of the superman logo Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful beautiful it actually looks painted or maybe used markers markers are chalk yeah yeah it looks chalky in a good way yeah oh yes it's i mean it's beautiful it's got the two supermen flying from one earth up towards another one while the faces of two different versions of luther are well lex looks like he's kind of smiling but the other but the golden age luther looks pretty upset uh menacingly look on zordon yeah. style this is <laughs> get me teenagers with attitude yeah. uh, I, I love the composition even though it's skewed and that throws me off a little the composition of being them being sandwiched between the between two earths is very appealing it's beautiful I just yeah I don't think that I don't have anything any critiques. It's just it oh. looks great. It's unfortunately someone kind of drew on mine, but I have seen pictures and it is still beautiful. Even with the little drawings, they're just uh, enhancing some of the shading of the inks. But yeah, I like the cover. 
personally. Yeah. And um, we don't really have much else to say about it because no. it's so pretty. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did that. Okay. We're, we're such great critics. We like <laughs> it. It's pretty. <laughs> you know, we should podcast. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay, the title of this story is Crisis on Three Earths, written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Rich Buckler, inked by David Hunt, lettered by John Costanza, colored by Carl Gafford, and edited by Julie Schwartz. And we begin with a splash page. And it's a meeting of giants. Superman side by side with Superman. Well, the Golden Age Superman. It's like your two favorite Superman and one comic book together. Uh, we have a lovely image of the Earth-1 Superman busting through a wall. We have a lovely image of the Earth-2 Superman breaking chains around his chest, basically in homage to an old Kurt Swan pinup, or maybe a cover to an old annual, because it looks like he just has to breathe in really hard to <laughs> break the chains like that. And, and then the, the, below them is the Earth. And that's about it, but it looks beautiful too. It, it's obviously not colored in like a painting, but Dave Hunt, his inks work really well with Buckler. I will do say they? This, this could almost have been a cover in itself, just in concept. Mm-hmm. It doesn't oh, quite yeah. have the... It doesn't smooth out the rough edges the way the cover does, but I love the idea. And, and the S-Shield for the Earth 2 Superman is not as clean as, as it is when Jerry Ordway draws it. Or, Extraordinary. Uh, George Perez. Oh, sorry. Jerry Ordway, the Extraordinary. I apologize. Or George Perez. Uh, draws it, but it, it's still very obviously not the regular Superman symbol. No. So, And it's consistent throughout the whole book, so I'm not upset by it. But this book is broken up into six chapters of varying lengths because why keep everything <laughs> uniform? Uh, so we're going to you know split up the chapters. So I will take the odds. So Dave gets the regular chapters. I get the really crazy ones. Chapter one is entitled Million Dollar Mayhem. And our story begins on Earth One, where Lex Luthor is robbing a bank in a purple tank with arms. Fortunately, Superman and Lois are just returning from a lunch date in Paris. I wanted to make a joke about a Adam Grant, but I, I couldn't Ooh. figure out a good one. Yeah, Ooh. sorry. Too soon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 20 years. Uh, so spotting the commotion with his telescopic vision, Superman drops Lois off the WGBS building. But as he leaves, he also grabs the Daily Planet globe. When he confronts Luther, the villain blasts him with a specially designed kryptonite ray. But Superman had spotted the ray when he spotted the commotion earlier and uses the globe to block the blasts and then bowls the globe at Luther's tank, knocking it out of commission and throwing down some bowling puns which also allows Superman to apprehend Luther in the process. After turning him over to the authorities, Superman returns to the WGBS roof, and he and Lois talk about how Superman is letting his sense of duty get in the way of his love life. And over to you, Dave. Chapter 2, Missiles Over Metropolis. On Earth 2, an Earth very much like our own, but a little different. Oh, wait. Alexi slightly Luth different. Slightly different, I'm sorry. Apologies <sighs> to Michael Bailey <sighs> and Scott Riefen now. Alexi Luthor. Wait, Alexi? Really? Okay, I'll run with the idea. This is a Golden Age yeah. retcon, but you know, full red... And you, full and you know what? Spellcheck does not like it. No, but he's got a full head of red hair. Uh, he has fired missiles. Three at the Daily Star, the analog to our Daily Planet. Now, seeing this, Daily Star editor Clark Kent 
changes into Superman, flies out to the rescue, but the older man of more weathered steel struggles a bit with the missiles. But he still managed to stop them and capture Lex Luthor. Or Alexi Luthor. Easy for you to say. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh. I was wondering if we'd be able to get through this without confusing the names. Oh, I, I, I didn't not. get through writing the synopses <laughs> without it. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right, and chapter three. And this one you might notice is a little bit longer. <laughs> this is where stuff gets real. Yeah. Okay, so while Alexi Luther sulks in his jail cell back on Earth-1, Lex Luther is just being put into his jail cell. But somehow, by the next panel, and without mentioning it at all in a caption... He's in the laundry room with his with a man named Smithfield. He's looking for his Liberace records. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, who is currently wearing a false chest plate that contains built-in microcircuitry. Returning to his cell, Luther uses the circuitry to build a device that allows him to not only travel over to Earth 2, but specifically and coincidentally to the jail cell of Alexi Luther. Quickly, Lex grabs his Alexi's hand, which seems to transfer the dimensional energy over to the red-headed villain, sending him back to Earth-1. Now alone in the cell, Lex convinces the guards on duty that he is Lynn Thorol. Through Thorol? 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 This was a lot easier to say when I was writing it. And, uh, Thorol, Thorol, whatever. And that he's the apparent victim of an Alexi Luther escape. After apologizing, the officers provide Luther with a suit, which is really <laughs> amazing, and allow him to just walk right out of the prison. On Earth-1, we see Alexi, Ale- whatever, who is basically in the same suit, ironically, also leaving prison and entering a car which takes him to Lex's secret lab. After he takes a gander at some of Lex's plans and picks out one that he likes, we switch to the WGBS building where Jimmy is gloating to Lois about getting the page one scoop on the Superman Luther tussle from earlier. Then Clark enters, whistling, which has Lois wondering what is so ha- what he could be so happy about after Superman almost lost his last battle, which confuses me since Superman seemed to have things well in hand the whole time. Uh, so Clark points out that it is good for Superman to lose once in a while so that he doesn't get a swelled head. And while Lois defends Superman and questions Clark's friendship with the Man of Steel, his super senses detect a job for Superman. So he leaves in a huff, acting as though Lois had insulted him, and after changing to Superman in his favorite storeroom, he flies out thinking that he needs to start infusing Clark with some guts. But that thought is quickly sidelined and never mentioned again as he reaches the <laughs> as he reaches the trouble he spotted earlier. Columns of fire shooting up from the sewers. In the middle of it all is Alexei Luther, holding a strange gun. When Superman confronts him, Luther fires the gun, covering Superman with gravity bands that not only sap his strength, but also send him flying off into space. Over on Earth 2. Clark and Lois have a tender moment as Clark gives Lois a locket for no other reason than because he loves her. But it, it, but that scene ends when Clark's powers detect, let's say it together, a job for Superman. Okay, we don't have to say it together. But let's sorry. try it again. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> uh, okay, one, two, three. A, a job, job for, for Superman. Superman. There you go. Sort of. A young girl <laughs> about to be run over. After a quick change, Superman takes off, landing between the girl and the threatening truck, bringing it to an erup- erupt? abrupt halt. Personally, I would think moving her out of the way would have been better, but I don't know. This Superman was a little more uh, 
in your face. Yeah, physical, I guess. Or in your grill, as it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. So when he checks on the little girl, she thanks him by shooting him with a shrinking ray, causing him to shrink down towards nothingness. Gloating over his victory, the driver reveals himself to be Lex Luthor, with the little girl revealed to be a robot. Back up in the Daily Star building, Lois has seen the whole thing through a handy pair of binoculars and quickly runs down to the street where she flips Luther, using some self-defense moves that her husband taught her, which causes him to knock over the girl bot. This causes the girl to drop the shrinking ray, which Lois, quick, yeah, which Lois quickly picks up, switches back to enlargement mode, and shoots at the spot where Superman once stood. Quickly returning to his normal size, Superman knocks Luther out. Realizing that this is the Luther from Earth-1, Superman wonders what has happened to his Luther and heads off to warn his own Earth-1 counterpart. I can only guess that he's heading to his special citadel in the mountains outside Metropolis, but they don't say. Speaking of the Earth-1 Superman, he's still flying through space thanks to the gravity bands, which we learn at this point is exerting the same gravity force as Krypton, which is robbing Superman of about half of his powers. They're also sending him towards a big black hole which ends up pulling the gravity bands apart before it can tear apart the Man of Steel. So as he flies back to Earth, we turn our attention to Metropolis, where the Earth-1 Lois runs out of the WGBS building and confronts Luther, although he confuses her for Lois Kent of Earth-2. But before he can shoot his gravity band gun at her, Superman literally blows him away with some super breath. Wrapping Luther in his cape, Superman takes him to his fortress, where he gets in touch with the Earth-2 Superman, and the two heroes compare notes. Until they can figure out what to do with the villains, the Supermen decide to send them to the limbo dimension between the two Earths. Once there, Alexei expresses his anger at Lex, but Lex just tells him to shut up and grabs his hand. He really likes holding hands with Alexei Luther. See, Lex Lex anticipated their defeat and built an escape clause into his special supersuit, which sends them to the one Earth where there are no superheroes, Earth 3. So let's pause here to go over a few notes real quick. What do you say? Notes. Let's do these notes. So we're jumping back to the beginning. Back to the beginning, not the splash page, but the first page. So we start off with page one, and i got to point out, that this really is just a normal tank, but with a couple of robot arms, and That's the not main a gun tank. is taken out of a shovel. It's well, it's purple. It's like Prince's tank. Yes, it's purple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, Prince stole tank from GI Joe and then painted it purple. Mm-hmm. Really, is what happened here, and and then they just threw on a few extra arms. You know, as far as Earth One Lex goes, I'm glad he color coordinates because that can go a long way. You got to have some presentation. Exactly. I would have liked to have seen some, you know, if the blaster, he, the kryptonite ray thing he has is green, would be really cool. But it shoots green rays, so I guess that's close enough. Yeah. And, and we should point out, this isn't his battle suit yet. This is still the purple and green long johns that he wore on uh, Challenge of the Super Friends. But one I had to pay $50 for in action figure form. He only, with, with uh, DC Universe Classics, he came, that version of Lex with the high collar, only came oh, yeah. in a five-figure set. Uh, five set. So if I wanted that Luthor, and I did, I had to pay $50 for the set. Well, what else came in the set? Catwoman, Two-Face, Batman, and a Superman with heat vision. Two-Face wasn't on Challenge of the Super Friends. It's not Challenge of the Super Friends. This was DC Universe Classics. This was in the... Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is like five years ago, so... Okay, sorry. I I thought you were talking about uh, that actual set that they did based on the Super Friends 
No, no. Models. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> this one just had a five. It was five figures because uh, he was in his his superpowers battle suit in the figure form. But I wanted that one. Kind of like, you know, yeah. I wanted Brainiac in short shorts. So I bought a two pack. Well, you got to. I mean, he was in this costume for most of the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. It's only the last three years that he wore this, the bat suit. So anyway, um, I will point out that uh, recent listeners to the show will probably be wondering where the Daily Planet Globe came from. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it, it turns out that, oh, actually it was about 1982 uh, when Marv Wolfman had taken over writing action comics. Uh, the Daily Planet Globe was returned to the roof of the WGBS building and uh, was also a, a part of a transmitter tower to broadcast the WGBS signal. So they brought that back. My guess is because they, by that point they had had two different Superman movies and they were trying to bring the Daily Planet stuff back to the comics. Um, so what better way to do that than to actually bring the globe back? Yeah. So, yeah. So the Daily Planet Globe would, was back right, right around this time anyway. Uh, so it, 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 it does make sense that it's there. Time fact, travel's weird. Yeah, in fact, Clark was actually working part-time as a Daily Planet reporter again. So that's also kind of cool. But we will get to that on the regular episodes somewhat shortly, I think. Um, did, did you have anything to say on these couple of pages here? Um, no, I'll wait. Because the first thing we see <laughs> is is... Well, uh, a lot of my notes and a lot of what I liked about this was how prominently Lois featured. And a lot of that's going to come a little bit further down the pike. So, oh, okay. But yeah, on the first page, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Superman and Lois flying through the air with a yellow boot. Yeah. Superman's got a yellow boot on one page and, uh, the WGBS building just has a G on it, yep. which is also does not match when well, Kurt Swan draws it, but that's it's from right. the side, isn't it? Because if you look it down, it's, yeah, oh, it's well, wider yeah. on one side and thinner yeah, on maybe, another. You're right. Maybe the other side does say WGPS. We just never really see this side of the building most of the time, I guess, is the problem. That's all. Uh, but, you know, the post-crisis GBS building does have a giant G on it. So, And since it's Marv Wolfman, maybe they're just looking to the future. Maybe you can just call it the G unit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> maybe we're just looking too far too much into it that's also a possibility but anyway so superman makes some bad puns but oh, I, you're right i like that though that was funny um uh, yeah he's uh let's see what does he say he says uh and since i want to spare myself any <laughs> further grief i think it's time to strike you out see, see what he did there oh that's cool and luther looks like he's broken <laughs> uh, my spine <laughs> But Buckler, <laughs> man, I love Buckler. I've said previously, uh, he's kind of the the missing link between Kurt Swan and Jose Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. Praise be his name. Yeah, he is really good. I mean, apparently he, he he's kind of a slower artist, which is why he doesn't do much monthly stuff. But he does do some beautiful stuff here. Mm -hmm. And and I really like Dave Hunt as an inker. Yes. Uh, I, he's done work both at DC and Marvel. He He, he does a lot. He was big on the Superman books in the 80s. He inked Kurt's, uh, Kurt Schaffenberger for a good, oh, what, I guess maybe the first 30 or so issues of New Adventures of Superboy. And then he moved over and started inking Kurt Swan for 
it's got to be from about like 81 or 82 up to about 84 maybe he was the prime swan inker so that's so yeah he he was a lot of, on a lot of stuff it was it's pretty cool to see him he, he does help solidify some of the work too i only have one complaint in this chapter and it's on page four art wise uh-huh i should say one complaint on page four in the upper right hand panel why does superman look like ronald reagan yeah, that he looks way off on that image. I don't know what's happened there. I mean, that's the one panel out of this whole chapter yeah. that's off. He, he's aged about ten years, maybe twenty. Yeah. Uh, he, it almost like looks like he forgot and kind of accidentally drew the Earth Two Superman there for some reason. I don't know. Wow, I just realized I run into Buckler a lot when he's having to draw <laughs> distinctive characters that look alike, like uh, the DC Comics presents uh, Superman Shazam crossover. Uh huh. That's what it said on the on the cover. The, the big cover? Yeah, but they switched costumes oh, in, in, the, in the second yeah, round. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and, and like, how can you keep that straight? It was hard to keep straight as a reader. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, poor guy. So now he's drawing two Supermans and two uh, Luthors. Two Luthors, multiple Loises. Yeah, well. Uh, poor guy. He gets the, yeah, anyway. All right, and then we move over to chapter two. And of course, anyone that follows the Golden Age, the Earth Two Superman at this point knows that uh, once George Taylor retired as editor of the Daily Star, Clark Kent beat out Perry White for editorialship, and he is the editor now. And you know he's married to Lois because we covered that issue or that on a on an issue of the episode of this show. I believe Michael fact, Bradley was on. Billy Hogan. Billy Hogan. Yes. I knew they had a guest. I couldn't remember who. Yes, it was a guest. Uh, Billy Hogan came on to help me cover that because I got confused and thought he wanted to cover that one when he really wanted to cover the I- issue where they uh, bring back – where they enlarge Candor. Oh. So I got it confused, but he, he, he took it very well. He, he understood. It was all right. But all of, automatically you can tell the difference between the two Luthers mm-hmm. in that the first Luther is just robbing a bank and this Luther is going to destroy the Daily Star to torture Superman's soul for as long as he lives. Yes. So, yeah, you can tell the difference. Even with the retcons, the Earth 2 additions to dis- distinguish the two, mm-hmm. this is still the Luthor we met in way back in issue 4. Oh, yeah. Superman. Yeah, with the hair and the the smarts. Well, yeah, and just the attitude, the the ego that he brought to that table. Yes, and he's just he's always it's like he's got something up his butt all the time. Mhm. He's just an angry man. And I have to say, I kind of like the Earth 2 Lois's hairdo better than the Earth 1 Lois. It's more classic. Yeah, um, that's it's got a little bit more is. spring to it. Yeah, a little more a little more style. But the, along the those Earth lines. Lois is just down. What? Along those lines, I also like I like the, the gray on the temples of Superman. Yes, 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 yes. It just, it's, it's not just distinctive. It actually looks cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, that was something I liked on Hal Jordan, that he was kind of a, a more traveled hero. Yeah. It was all because of Parallax, though. Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> apparently. Well, now, here's the thing. This this always gets me. Um, it actually, first of all, this whole setup reminds me a lot of Superman meets Spider-Man. You get our, the, the Earth-1 Superman going up against the Earth-1 Luther. Then instead of the Marvel stuff, you have the Earth-2 Earth Superman going up against the Earth-2 Luther. By the third chapter, both villains are in jail. And they've uh, Luther gets microcircuitry hidden under some kind of uh, yeah. skin thing. Um, 
So this it, is me reading that scene. Let me let me do an impression of me reading that scene. I'm, I'm moving oh, along, enjoying it, and all of a sudden I get to that part where he finds this this prisoner who he's put there just in case he comes back. Uh-huh. And he has this micro-thin, wafer-thin. It's, it's a false chest plate. So me reading that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh? Yeah, well, you, you know, know the guards <laughs> never notice that. Well, it's just that this guy is willing to go to prison with this chest plate on that he's apparently wearing all the time. Mm-hmm. Just in case Luthor needs to break out and leave him in there. He also leaves it on full display by leaving his shirt unbuttoned. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, he has an innie. It appears. At least, unless that's part of the chest. Anyway. I didn't look that uh, close. Wow. Oh, it's right there. It's just a, it's a big black spot. Anyway. Anyway. So Luther figures out a way out. Now, at this point, I get to the I get the idea, especially further on in the chapter, that this is all – this really sets up Lex to be, like, supremely intelligent and Alexi to be just kind of going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. As the dumber of the two Luthers, he's all he's all he's all anger and no brains. I wouldn't say no brains, but yeah. little brains. Well, well Lex is like, calm, cool, and collected. Lex is com- seems to have come up with this whole scheme, and Alexi, even when he leaves the prison, while our while Lex leaves the prison and has his own plans for what he's going to do after that, Alexi has to use a uh, take a car that's been provided by by Le- by Le- by Lex. And then basically is using up a scheme that has already been concocted by Lex rather than coming up with his own thing. So, yeah. It's just like, it just, it's not, a, it, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say it's not fair, but it's just not fair. No, not really. <laughs> no. But, no, I, I would say it might actually, actually be fair because we are reading this in the age that the Earth-1 Superman is the prime Superman. That's true. So he's good. He and his version of the villains are probably going to take the front seat. Well, yeah. Plus, you know, he is the headline, main headliner of the book. Mm-hmm. So that helps, too. Of course, with DC Comics Presents, as we've learned, he normally will step back and let somebody have the spotlight a little. But that it varies from story to story. Yes, yes, yes. Like the Batgirl one in the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> but we're not going to get into that. Anyway, um, okay, the scene at the Daily Planet was... Interesting, but kind of pointless. Other than the fact that uh, Buckler and Hunt do a very good version of, again, Lois, Clark, and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very fond of this scene. It just looks really, really good. Clark at the bo- on the bottom right panel, the final, the last panel of page eleven, just looks really cool. Well, he's the classic superpowers Clark. He's the oh, yeah. the more definitive Clark, and of course, Jimmy is in his man of action. Turtleneck. <laughs> Yellow turtleneck, green checkered jacket, brown pants. Yep. I'm actually surprised to see Lois wearing something that isn't pink. Because usually <laughs> she's wearing pink. I like pink very much. I like pink very much, Lois. But Clark's in his usual blue suit. Which is pretty interesting because by the time we get to the next page where we get to the Earth 2, Clark and Lois, <laughs> Clark's wearing the same suit. <laughs> and Lois is wearing something distinctly different. But still yellow and orange. Oh. Look at that. Of course, I mean, these are, unlike when we get a little further in the story, these are not opposing versions of the characters. They're still them. They're just from a different starting point in time. Well, right. It's it's just, I I like how they do that kind of a visual 
trick or visual uh, cheat or whatever to help you. You know, this is Le- this is Lois and this is Lois. So we're going to keep them in the same colors, just slightly different. This is Superman, or this is Clark, and this is Clark. Now, see, if we had seen Jimmy, I'm sure he'd be wearing a very similar outfit on Earth 2 as he is on Earth 1. So. Uh, he'd be more, well, I was going to say he might be more bow tie, but that's more of a Silver Age. There wouldn't be a, third, a, yeah. a, a really good analog for that. So, But I think well, the colors wearing, would be the same. The jacket, He might be least. wearing more of a suit, yeah, but still. Um, let's see. Well, we mentioned the part about taking out the truck and the slipping down to nothingness through the molecules. Okay. This image of Luther punch or of, super, of Earth Two Superman punching out Lex mm-hmm. is pretty epic. Yes, it is. Uh, that is probably one of my favorite panels of the whole issue. As he gets unshrunk, he's already got a mat on. Like he's already swinging as Lois is shooting him with the anti-shrink gun. And he's got his Schuster squint on. Yes, I love it. I wish there was more squint. Like yeah. that's the thing I like. I really like visually about Superman is to, for him to have a little bit of a squint. Kind of like Captain Marvel. I like the squint. I think it works for those characters. They look stoic. Now, I don't know if you had a, um, how you felt about when Ed McGinnis was drawing Superman. I liked it at the time. Oh, I don't know how well it's weathered for me. Well, I still kind of have a thing for it. But anyway, uh, his thing was Superman squints. So when he draws Clark, Clark has full eyes. Mm-hmm. When, it's, when he's changed to Superman, part of the costume is that he squints when he whenever he's superman unless it's a really extreme close-up or he's showing some kind of shock yep he's usually squint he's usually got the old squint and i liked that aspect of it that a lot. was cool yes uh he he always and he did a very good job of maintaining that through his whole run even when he moved over to the superman batman title so that was really cool but anyway back to the past um now okay page 17 this this panel one two three the fourth panel where Superman looks like he's in shock, he the it doesn't kind of match with what's going on in the word balloon. It may not be pulled it, apart. Like he's really thinking this yeah, through. He's thinking this through. Like he's pretty calm about it, but the whole time he's up there in space, he's got this shocked look. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. You know, it, it's it's kind of weird. It's um, almost like they did like they did a little bit of it uh, Marvel style. You know, or where they maybe, uh, yeah. doesn't always match up. It's a little bit of plot and then ink and then pencil or then scripting. Yeah. yeah. Some form of, of plot, <laughs> plot, draw, script. Yep. And, you know, since Buckler and Wolfman were Marvel, used to be with Marvels, maybe they did that. I don't know. True. But, um, yeah, it just doesn't match to me. He, he looks scared the whole time he's up in space because he doesn't know how he's going to get out. But the way he's going through his word his thought bubbles it sounds like he knows what's going to happen he just has to wait for it so i don't know he, he doesn't even get excited or happy when it finally happens he's just like there and then he's back <laughs> to thinking oh, i just wish i knew who, he, who this guy was he's a match for luther and blah 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 and he flies back to earth nonchalant time to get back to work well i guess yeah. you and i if we had a near-death experience that would be something profound superman experiences that every other day Ah, uh, there is that. Yeah, good point. Uh, but then they send. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting too, if you think about it, the implications when they're on page nineteen. They're trying to figure out a final solution of what to do with the Luthers. And Superman even says, "It bothers me. I've never played judge and jury before." Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, what, what, how much are they planning to do here? <laughs> are they like, are they thinking about? 
like getting rid of them permanently or what but yeah uh, that that scene had me feel a little weird about the story <laughs> personally that might be on the table we are dealing with a golden age superman where people might get hurt you know yeah not but directly I w- killed as a, you know he doesn't directly kill them but you know sometimes people got killed along the way yeah but he's got the earth one superman there too and I guess he does say it bothers him, but he would not allow that to happen. Even if they both ended up coming to blows, depending, I mean, he, he would not, he would do everything in his power to make sure that they weren't going to execute them or something because he doesn't believe in that. Yeah, true. You got to remember, Earth One Superman is still the bronze, or the well, bronze, you know, silver bronze age Superman who is like, if I did that, I'd have to give up my powers. It's not like he just Perfect. casually snaps people's neck and then moves on. But anyway, um, oh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a ki- I'm kidding. That's it. That's not. That's neither Earth One or Two. So true. Yeah. Although I think putting them in the limbo dimension is kind of a bold step in itself because they're they're human. Yeah. Superman can throw a Kryptonian into Phantom Zone, and that's fine because that's Kryptonian justice for a Kryptonian, and well, their or power Daxum. level or Daxum. If you accidentally almost kill your <laughs> potential brother. Um, <laughs> so I think that step in itself is kind of making them hesitant as well. The limbo I, dimension idea. Not is to a, mention, you got to go find them afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> They're just floating there. <laughs> We're just going to put them in the pin where absolutely nothing bad can happen. What? Yeah. It, it does not look safe in there. Mm-mm. There looks like explosions all around them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of swirlies. But it looks like there's a lot of blasts and flying planets or something and big explosions. Think Jack Kirby. Jack, It's like Fourth World, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Orion should go by like, what's this? Who are these guys? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is very, it's very Kirby-esque. This would definitely be a place where Kirby would use some of his photo collage things mm-hmm. if he was drawing it. But that's uh, that's that, that that that's halfway. Did you have anything else to say about the first half of the story? Nope, we're good. All right, now it's time to dig in. But first, here's a couple of promos. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. And we have returned for the second half of DC Comics Presents Annual Number 1, picking up with Chapter 4, When Menaces Meet. Both Luthors emerge from the Limbo Dimension on Earth 3 and promptly run right into Ultraman. You know, the villainous mirror image of Superman. Since this is, this is a world without heroes, only villains. Earth 1 Luthor thinks it would be a giggle to shoot Ultraman with Kryptonite. But that only makes the villain stronger. See, he's kind of like Bizarro. He's more Bizarro than Bizarro. <laughs> and and uh, the Luthors convince Ultraman to hear him out. Instead of smearing them like jelly. They explain that basically there's a multiverse. They promise to help the villains take over this Earth in exchange for helping them with their plight. More on that in a moment. But unseen by the Luthors and Ultraman, a familiar brunette has been eavesdropping on them. Ooh. Oh, my part. <clears throat> chapter, f- <laughs> sorry. chapter 5, The Summoning of Superman. Inside what I can only assume is Ultraman's headquarters, because neither Luther could possibly have had time to find their own, Alexi directs Ultraman on where to place an ion tractor beam. This confuses Lex, because an ion tractor beam isn't part of their plans. As it turns out, Alexi has plans of his own, and is going to use the ion rays to destroy both Earth-1 and Earth-2, much to Lex's shock. At that same moment, Lois is reporting what she witnessed to a Dr. Alex Luther, who is also concerned about the extreme concentration of ion rays that his equipment, drawn amazingly looking, you would think George Perez helped out, is picking up. Lois says that Luther is the most brilliant man on the planet and the only person she could go to for help, but she has a plan, and Luther, this Luther anyway, agrees to help her with it. On Earth 2, the two supermen meet up outside of Metropolis, where they talk about how the Earth 2 Superman is happily married to Lois, while the Earth 1 Superman feels that he has, too, he has so many responsibilities that it wouldn't be fair to his Lois if they married. The Earth 2 Superman explains that he felt much the same way, allowing himself to be controlled by the super, until he finally decided that the man deserved a chance to live too, and that being with Lois has not only brought him happiness, but it has also left him with a renewed commitment to helping others, all of which has made him an even greater Superman than before, and helped him keep his sanity. His lecture, however, is then interrupted by Alex Luther, doing, once again, a great Zordon impression, calling for their help, and then forcefully transporting them to Earth-3. And that brings us to Chapter 6, Earth's First Superhero. Well, I wonder who that could be. Uh, the Superman are teleported to Earth-3, as Charlie mentioned, where Alexander, Alex, the good Luther, he decides to put a power suit on to explain, well, things are going bad, right? So he's going to play superhero with them. And just as the two bad Luthors are working to destroy Earths 1 and 2, they see the good trio approaching and send out Ultraman. Of course, fisticuffs ensue, 
but Alex manages to turn the tide by making Ultraman intangible, so he's no longer a threat. The bad Luthors are about to go to blows, because, well, our Luthor, bald Luthor, doesn't want his planet destroyed. So they're about to go to blows when the Superman arrive. Earth-2 Superman works on the machine and disabling it, while Earth-1 Superman tries to make one of the merging Earths intangible, or both, so they pass through each other. And the danger passes. Who didn't see that coming? The Luthors are put away on their respective Earths. Alex Luthor puts away Ultraman. But having seen the happiness of the Earth-2 Superman, the Bronze Age Man of Steel rushes to share a moment with Lois. But he misses the opportunity as she gets sent on assignment to Europe. And the issue ends on that ironically lonely note. Aww. That's That's it. We'll get to that in a minute, but I thought that was one of the better aspects of this issue. It was very poignant. Yes. Considering that the issue was crowded with a lot of Supermans and Ultraman and Luthors and Alex, Uh it was actually a pretty appropriate ending, but I'm jumping way ahead. Yeah, okay. So let's move back to Chapter 4. Actually, real quick, there was one note I forgot to make. Um, Back in Chapter, what was it, 2, 3? 3. I forgot to point out the whole um, Len Thorl. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they Um, have suits that happen to perfectly fit him. Well, not only do they have suits, but the name. Uh, Luther's sister is Lena Thorl, mm-hmm. uh, which Thorl is Luther backwards. Uh, no, it's not, because that would be. It's it's Laurel. still it's still a but it's still an anagram. It's a, that's what I'm trying to say. It's an anagram, and apparently uh, Luther's family did that to go so that they could go into hiding because they didn't agree with what Lex was doing to destroy, you know, Earth. And, well, <laughs> that whole Earth, thing, but, yeah, you know, that whole thing. Uh, not not Earth so much as Superman, and who cares who gets in the way? So Lex knows his family's on Earth One, but doesn't know apparently. Although believe I believe that he could probably find them pretty quick. Um, but yeah, so he basically takes Lynn Thorl as his name, as his fake name, which is just a callback to that. Anyway. I want. I, for, I meant to point that out, and I forgot. So, moving up to um, when menaces meet, chapter four. When menaces meet, it sounds like it, a Dateline title, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Dateline, NBC. Have a seat. When what did you think was going to happen here? <laughs> <laughs> and so they landed in Metropolis, and uh, what were they going to do next? <laughs> they uh, run right into Ultraman right out of the gate. <laughs> uh, now it makes sense. I could see. Lex thinking Kryptonite would hurt him because, um, you know, it works on the other two Supermen. But, of course, it doesn't, and it just makes him stronger. Uh, he's not, what is it, Zabaro, but <laughs> close. Yeah, uh, This but costume is so weird, though. The shoulder, they're not shoulder pads, they're just sort of a shoulder front. I don't shoulder even know how to describe point, it. These points yeah. that come out in front of his shoulder. Yeah, and then his cape's really short too. It's it's very unfortunate. But um, a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. to break it up. No, not even a little red belt. Perhaps with the Pentagon as the buckle. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he's definitely not quite as smart. But even from the be- as well, he's not quite as smart as our Superman. But even from the beginning, he's planning to double cross them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Date them makes- so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, everyone, all the villains plan on double-crossing. I don't know how the villains win at all on this Earth, but whatever. Well, that's the thing. They haven't. That's his whole shtick is, yeah, there's all super villains, no superheroes, but 
Oh yeah, they still somehow have been they able have to take it. Yeah. It's amazing how that dichotomy works. Uh, so we move on to chapter five, and uh, basically, super, uh, Ultraman's just being muscle. It, it kind of amazes me too that with all this and all the stuff that they're doing with the ion rays and the other Earths, that we don't have any cameos from any of the other uh, crime syndicate. But uh, kinda, I guess I'm kind of glad sense. for that, though. That yeah, would have been a little too much. Yeah, exactly. But I love the detail. I mean, look at the detail in the machinery. Uh, you mentioned Perez helping out. Did he? Uh, not that I'm aware of. There's nothing in the credits, and there's nothing that I found in notes. But it does either he helped out, or he got they got like Terry Austin to do some of the inks on the background because he's really good with the uh, detail inks yeah. as well. It's it's impressive. It like, is. You can just look at the intricacy. I mean, none of this stuff does anything, but darn it, it looks cool. I know there. I mean, there's vents and wiring and circuits. And tubes, knobs, switches, knobs, switch. <laughs> uh, well, I already said vents. I mean, there's all there's like exhaust pipes on this thing. It's amazing, and and that's before we even get to the big scope thing that uh, Alex Luther's looking through on uh, the next page. I mean, geez, which is amazing. I know it's kind of at first it kind of made me think of uh, the Enterprise on its side. A little bit, or I think it's just because of the big round disc. Yeah, which is probably a ball, but you know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to insinuate 3D when you're using the flat colors. But um, Lois oh. on Earth three is probably the most attractive of the three. Yeah, she's got nice hairdo, and again, because of the shortcut, we have orange and yellow. But this, but this Lois is wearing pink. Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. They're really doing great things with color in this to, to kind of subtle, subtle places to give uh -huh. us, distinguish our Lois's. And this Luther, he's wearing a purple jacket, green pants, a lighter purple shirt. <laughs> and he doesn't, he's bald, but he has a goatee that is, of course, <laughs> ginger. It's reverse Star Trek, because in Star <laughs> Trek, when they wanted an evil Spock, you threw a goatee on him. Now you yes. want a good Luthor, throw a goatee on him. Throw a goatee on him. It makes sense. It's her three. Uh, so then the next panel, we go to Earth 2, and we've got the two Supermen looking at the Earth 2 metropolis, and it does look pretty breathtaking. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like they got two World Trade Centers, not World Trade Centers, uh, two UN buildings on the one end, though. That's uh, kind of weird. Yeah, maybe. I thought the UN building's a little bit more curved, but I have not been to New York yet. Good point. Well, they, they kind of look curved at me, to me at first, but now I don't see them looking curved, so I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Anyway, it's a beautiful city, and they color the sky very nice. Carl Gafford's really good with his color selections. Mm -hmm. He's got like a sunset type thing going on. I was going to comment on that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's yeah. gorgeous. It's got some pinks and some yellows and some different shades of blue. To Wow, it, it, it is just as breathtaking as they're, as they're mentioning. And this is before digital. So for these yeah. colors to make it through the printing process is pretty amazing. He's got like to cut film or something to do this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, which is always amazing. I mean, think about how often these colorists have to color have to cut out an exact detail. Those that Superman s. <laughs> wow. And this guy has to do it twice. <laughs> it's one thing to try to draw the thing, but to cut out film to oh, I wouldn't even want to try it. No. <laughs> Uh, so they have this little conversation about their love lives, and uh, yeah. I like it a lot, though. It's like 
I, it's like Superman talking to Superboy a bit. I thought the same thing, and a lot of it, especially the when they 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 don't always do a good job of making sure that the Earth Two Superman has the white temples, mm-hmm. especially on page twenty six where he never does. Yeah, but, that's that was the one I was just looking at. It's yeah. hard to tell which one's which for a moment there. Uh, and in a couple places they use the S doesn't look too different, but you can still kind of tell the difference on the face and, and the way that Buckler does it. Does it? It looks like Superman talking to a Superboy for a little, a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. It's Earth interesting. Two, Earth Two looks very Kurt Swan. Oh, yeah. And then Earth-1 looks a little... I mean, this is an odd panel. Lower left-hand corner on page 26, it really looks like a meeting between Swan and Jose Garcia Lopez, previous name. Previous name. I will definitely go with you on that one. And uh. you'll also notice there's a slight difference in the length of their capes. Mm-hmm. Just a little. But very, it's very definitely there. But it, it's, it's nice that the Earth-2 Superman is come to grips with all this stuff with uh, loving Lois, which shows his maturity because he is older. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Earth-1 Superman seems to be taking it to heart. Just the look on his faces. On his on his faces, yes. Uh, just the looks on his face. Of course, then they're interrupted by the giant Luther head. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt your heart-to-heart, guys, but we got a thing to do. I need your help. I am the Luthor of Earth Three, and then, and, and and of course the Earth One Superman is like, oh, so he must be a villain too. And then the Earth Two Superman is the voice of reason. This is just really well done. Just I yeah. like because this could have been a total total train wreck, and yeah. I feel like they treated the characters distinctly enough that they stood on their own, but similar enough that you could tell they were versions of the same character. Uh huh. And you talked about, I mean, like the shorter, the capes, the little details that went into it, very good. I think the only thing that could have made the, the cape difference better would be, and I would feel sorry if Gafford tried it, but you know, a lot of the time, um, they, when they were, whenever they bothered to color the S symbol on the back of the, well, when they bothered to draw the S symbol on the back of the cape, um, a lot of times the S part would be blue on a yeah. yellow shield. That would have been kind of cool to help differentiate a little bit, but I am not upset that they did do it. No, I'm fine with that at this point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so then they get to go to Earth three and they meet the new Luther and he puts on like like you said, he puts on his own uh, super suit. And this one is very different from any other Lex suit because it, it since he's the hero, it's red, yellow and blue, a darker blue. It kind of looks more Adam Strange than a superhero, though. Oh, yes. I've always thought that his his outfit very much looked like Adam Strange. It came from the same cloth. Although it is my, my uh, greatly convenient that the Lex Luthor, the scientist, is also apparently a bodybuilder. Well, you know. Yeah. I mean, every, apparently everyone does it. But, uh, you know, it's weird, though. In that same panel, the the Superman apparently changed capes. Yes. Because <laughs> the Earth-1 Superman's cape is now shorter, so whatever. Again, hard to keep those two straight. Yeah. Actually, you could still it's so small, but you can still tell the difference just looking at them in their faces. It's so weird. In the faces and in the build, because Earth-1's yeah. is more svelte, a little bit more curved. Earth-2 has this big barrel chest, and he's a little yeah, bit very more burly. Swan-ish. Swan, yeah. uh, boring-ish. Yes. 
uh, well, I'll throw Plastino in too. Uh, so then <laughs> we get to move. Uh, the Earths are coming together, but the bad guys have to stop them. And and it makes perfect sense. I know, I you know I've never really read too much of any other any previous appearances of Ultraman, but it makes complete sense to me that. Uh, Ultraman is helped by the fact that he's powered by kryptonite, mm-hmm. which makes his punches and his hits that much more painful to the Superman because yeah. they're kryptonite powered. It makes perfect sense. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm saying, I'm kind of prefacing that because I don't know if they've actually done that before, but it makes a lot of sense here. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't read a lot of Ultraman myself, so I'm in the same boat. Uh, the only, really, the only other Ultraman stuff I've read is his brief appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that went well for him, didn't it? Yeah, he kind of just kind of dies real quick on a couple <laughs> pages. So yeah, but it does make a lot of sense, and, and he obviously is strong because he's going to use a whole building to smash the two Supermen. But of course, Lex or Alex beats him by not only making him intangible, but causing him to lose all of the color in his suit. On page 34. Isn't that how uh, intangibility works? I don't understand. Well. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, it's yeah, it's the, him fading. <laughs> the cape and the U and the boots would also be white or orange since the sky behind them is or- has suddenly True. gone orange. But no, it's all white. It's a good visual cue. It's not. Uh, uh, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of not having something being anatomically correct. Exactly. Yeah. I- I'm wondering, though, if it was an accident or if it was on purpose. Something like that. Just because they have the reds in there, but no blue, it's just is weird. I don't know. Wouldn't reds being more more of a prominent color fade out before the blue, after the blue? I mean, because that uh, would stand out. I mean, I think that's as it's happening. That's the yeah. act of him changing him intangible. It is a what, what do you want to call it? A, a, a hotter color. Hotter color, vibrant. Yeah. And then, and then the apparent- next screen, next next scene, he's just. He's a lighter Pink, color, yeah. Lighter colors, yeah. And this takes him out for the rest of the issue. So he basically only had a cameo, really. <laughs> but it, it's really cool, though, that Lex... This is where you once again see the difference is because Lex is all about wanting to kind of save the Earths because he he's not as bloodthirsty and he still has family to protect. Mm-hmm. Lex, Lex of Earth does, 1. <laughs> yeah, well, and Lena... He mentioned it's his sister. Is this is a sister in Hackensack, New Jersey, by chance? Yeah. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. exactly. <laughs> you can't uh, do a convincing head shake, Gene Hackman head shake on the air. So yeah, it's kind of it, on an audio medium. I can't do the yeah. Now, see, when I now I don't know about you, but the very first time, not for this because I've read this before, but the very first time that Superman, that the Earth One Superman flew off, did you at all think he was going to try to just move a pl- one of the Earths? No, that never occurred to me. Okay. I can see where you would, though. Yeah. Well, I guess he says I have a plan that requires something Alex possesses, so that makes sense. But I, the first time I kind of missed that line, and yeah. I thought he's just going to push it out of the way. But he doesn't. And of course, with the power that they have, uh, that they have in all the equipment, the Earth Two Superman does get thrown around a little bit more than we're used to, because his powers are at a lower ebb. He's a little older. He's well. He also had lower powers to begin with. He he wasn't yeah. juggling mountains. No, he he 
he juggled planes was kind of pushing it at the time. Nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin. I just happen to have a bursting shell right here. <laughs> hey, how about that? <laughs> they keep them up there in Missouri, do they? Yeah. <laughs> but he does, even though it takes some straining, he does use his power to take out that ion cannon, which is very helpful. And the Earth One Superman does manage to save the Earths, which Yay. is really awesome. Yay! Was the outcome ever really in doubt? Uh, no, no. Well, it's, you have two Superman. You know that they can't fail. Yeah. Well, I don't I, think that was. I don't think that was the big point of the story. This was just the, a MacGuffin to get all these people together oh, yeah. and compare and contrast. Well, heck, they didn't even come up with this idea until about halfway through the story. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you think about it. Oh, there's the plot. Let's use that. Yeah. What's really cool, though, is that uh, Buckler actually did not. They did do like a, uh, f- a stat image of an er- of the Earth to exactly. uh, make them so similar. He uh, Buckler actually is drawing the two Earths, so they're slightly different, but just because you can't comp- perfectly copy an, something that you've drawn except for maybe a handful of artists. Um, so there, there do appear to be slight differences between like their ver- the two versions of the United States, of North America and South America, because that's the only part of the earth that anyone cares about. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> I'm just in the eighties now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cold now, war was on. We didn't yeah. care about that. Yeah. I mean, if you showed the other side, then you, you know, they might think you were red. Yeah. And then we get the wrap-up all on one page. It was really fast. It's like a John Byrne where you just suddenly, yeah. we're done. The, the difference is you don't have Superman sitting in a windowsill explaining what all, what all happened. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all. And, and for the finale, of course, the Earth-1 Lois is now wearing a purple and pink outfit with a bow tie. I don't get the bow tie. Well, then that well, blouse is pretty atrocious in itself. Yeah. Well, it's the 80s, and Jimmy didn't get to wear his, and if you're going to have two Supermen, you got to have a bow tie in there somewhere. Because bow ties are cool. That's right. That's right. And the thing that I liked most, and I hinted at this earlier, but i got to say it, Lois is by far shown to be the heart and the soul of the mythology. Oh, yeah. Even with Alex, Alex, uh, Alex, good Alex, goatee Alex, huh. and... The ending was just so, it really, it got to me. Because you have Earth 2 Superman, he's happy with his Lois. Earth 3 Super, uh, Earth 3 Lois is, I don't think they enter into a, real, a relationship of some kind, but she's going to be assisting Alex. She's still Lois on that Earth. Uh-huh. And then here we have Earth 1 Superman saying, okay, maybe I should show Lois the time of day. And it's, it comes across as it's too late. And that's kind of another sacrifice of Superman. Yeah. It's also pretty cool that they can just ask, hey, I've got an assignment for you in Europe. You free? <laughs> really? Oh, sure. I was just there. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it it is a very bittersweet ending, and then he just stands there sad. Then again, this is an era where Lois told him to take a hike. When he couldn't commit, she's like, okay, you yeah. gotta go. You had your chance. Yeah. Uh, it might still be coming, just about to come up, but, yeah, right around this time. Mm-hmm. They do split up again, so... Uh, we do. Sh- we should point out, as kind of alluded to, uh, part of the, what what makes this so big also is what happens later on. 
this does get referenced again in the Crisis on Infinite Earths because Alex Luther and his Lois Lane, they do end up becoming a, becoming a couple. Okay, I couldn't remember for sure. And um, she ends up giving birth to Alexander Luther, the oh. gold suited, wow. the gold suited, super powered Jerry Curl, Jerry Curl baby that gets and very reminiscent of the Superman origin. Of course, uh, a- Alex puts Alexander in a, kind of a dimensional rocket, and as Earth three is being destroyed by the crisis, uh, he gets shunted over to I one of the other Earths. I apologize for not remembering, but I didn't have time to read through the crisis on infinite Earths. Uh, but he gets shunted over to one of the still surviving Earths, and somehow that gives him powers. And he's also, I think, not by the monitor? But he, he grows up really quick. Yeah. And he's able to hold the dimension, the dimensional doors open between like the matter and antimatter universe, which is, becomes a big deal when in issue seven where Supergirl dies. But he's also the one that kind of creates the or provides the doorway to the Limbo universe that Earth-2 Superman, Earth-2 Lois, and Earth-Prime Superboy go to so that they can all make their comeback for Infinite Crisis. And that guy, basically this is kind of the lead up to that. I forgot about it being his son. I forgot about the mullet. I need to reread yeah. Infinite or Crisis on Infinite Others. That that series again. <laughs> Harder yeah, to say than you think. Crisis on Infinite Earths. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yes, that um, that that all starts here. So that was really. I'm glad we did that. It was either we were either going to cover this or we talked about what was the other one? Oh, the uh, introduction of the Superboy Prime. Yes, and there was a moment of panic. As I'm sitting there today, I'd done this issue. I'm like, wait, which one did we try? Which one did yeah. we settle on? <laughs> yeah, I get a text, what, half hour before we're supposed it was, to start recording? It was about an hour. But... <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it was about an hour by the time I saw it. And it's like, crap, what are we covering? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time. I, this is my last chance to record this, really. And so, yeah. But... So that is the big important thing. So we wanted to make sure we covered this at some point during the coverage of this series. This is very important for the Crisis on... Basically, a lot of stuff that happens in both the Crisis on Infinite Earths and Infinite Crisis could not happen if not for this issue. Kind of like a Flash of Two Worlds. This kind of began... That started the ball rolling in a lot of ways towards that. Yes. See? That and started opening, more, that opened the door for the multiverse. This is the beginning of closing the door. Which makes sense, because I'm pretty sure they were already working on planning all that. And this is written by Marv, so <laughs> that does help. It was in the background I, at this point. Yeah, they, they, had, they were probably in the planning stages of starting stuff. I mean, granted, this is 82, but it was a big thing. They were planning on it, planning it for a long time. But supposedly they... They didn't know that that was going to be the ultimate result until closer to time. But I know, yeah, wasn't it just starting off as like a just a big crossover, a League or a or a Titan story mm-hmm. with the Monitor, and it just got huge. Yeah, yeah. They're like, let's so, start it all over. Okay. Yeah, it's and it, it started off as like, uh, what did they, what did they call it at first? DC Crisis. That's right. And then it was Crisis on Infinite Earths or something like that. So yeah, it it went through a lot of changes, obviously. But it looks it you almost wonder anyway, even whether they did or not, you almost wonder if this was the start of planting some of the seeds. 
trying to see what was out at that time. Because at this time, I was trying to figure out how early the monitor... He didn't start popping up till like eight, late 83, early 84, though. Yeah, like, uh, was it uh, like Green Lantern and stuff? Yeah, Green Lantern here and there. So, I mean, basically, yeah, this was laying the groundwork. Whether that was the intent or the full intent, I'm not sure. But, yeah, Wolfman definitely laid groundwork for something. Exactly. And then, uh, Rich Morrissey, who, from all, I, from all I can remember, was just a frequent letter writer, from what I remember. He, uh, he writes this whole nice thing about the whole multiple Earths concept on the back page. And I'm not going to try to read all of this because that would be oh, thank taking goodness. forever. And very, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And the way I stumble through reading stuff, we'd never get through this. But uh, just as kind of a, you know, summarize, he does mention the, the parallel worlds thing, uh, the fact that, you know, the whole JSA thing and the Justice League difference and how it all started back in the, in the flat with the Flash story. And the Earth 1, Earth 2 concept and all the stuff. And then, of course, the differences between the two Supermen. And how all there's plenty of other Earths that have come in as DC has acquired the rights to characters from other publishers, such as uh, Dave's favorite, Earth S, which is the home of all the Fawcett characters, like yeah. Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Earth X, which is the home of all the quality heroes, like the the Human Bomb. Uh, which is Plastic where, Man? Yeah, Uh Uncle Sam and the yes. Freedom Fighters. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then, um, let's see. And not only that, but Plastic Man and the Blackhawks also have counterparts on both Earth 1 and Earth 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And then, of course, there's other Earths that come in later that they haven't, from companies they haven't bought yet. I don't remember. What is it? What's the Earth that um, has Blue Beetle and all the Charlotte? I didn't, I didn't think they, they those trickled in until after the crisis. I may be wrong, though. Well, no, because Blue Beetle and, and everyone is in the crisis. Oh, crap. I don't remember the name of the Earth then. <laughs> yeah. It might be like Earth C, maybe, or... Uh, it's, I read it a few years ago when we were doing it on uh, Green Lantern's Light, but I, that's been a couple of years now. And unfortunately, they hadn't apparently done that quite yet, so it's not mentioned here. And of course, you know, Earth Prime, of course forgot to mention that uh which is basically our earth although it does get a Superboy at one point it was an accident <laughs> it was waiting to happen though <laughs> well dave dave has an announcement he wants to make what dave why don't you uh, tell the good people what you want to tell them well it, i've been with this show for a while uh we've been doing this for what two two and a half years with me doing a backup uh, yeah, about two and a half years is with the backup and uh, a little longer than that where you were actually mm-hmm. co-hosting with me for the full episode. But, you know, I came to a decision where schedule-wise, because I have a nightmare of a work schedule, it was time to go ahead and step down. Otherwise, I don't want to put out you know a crappy segment. I, I don't want to drag Charlie down. So it came time when I had to come to a decision that, okay, it's time for me to step out of the show. And let Charlie take the rest of this journey by himself. Unless he wants me to come back for the final episode. Contemplating it. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, so, that's the big announcement is the Dave Weider Presents will not be a feature on the show any longer. I'm still a friend of the show. I'm still a fan of the show. But I will not be, yeah, I won't be in a week to week uh, part of it any longer. 
again, it's just there's no drama. Please don't start the rumors. No. We're cool. No. Charlie and I are cool. <laughs> no, we, we don't hate each other. Uh, we, we, if, if we had the openings in our schedules, we would both go to Metropolis again together. Mm-hmm. And meet Elliot uh, S. Megan. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, everything's fine. Uh, we just, Dave, Dave decided he wants to, Dave made this decision, and I support it. So we will continue the journey on our own. But, Dave, I want to thank you. You came onto the show at a time when I was contemplating ending it, uh, and uh, you helped bring the, you know kind of bring the fun back to the show. And you have been with the show and been a big contributor to the show. Not just folks, Dave not only do, handles the stuff you hear when you listen to the show, but he's a big help. Been been a big help behind the scenes. He helps. He help. He set up the server or gave me the server space, I guess you could say, uh, for both this show and for when I was doing Charlie's GeekCast. He helped me set up the website for both of those shows. And he pays, at least for now, uh, he paid the uh, money to for the site name, for the web, uh, the URL, supermaninthebronzeage.com. I could not have done this the show the way it currently is now without Dave's help. And I just want to thank you so much for all you've done for the show, both on the air and behind the scenes. No, it's, it's been absolutely my pleasure. I appreciate you bringing me on at a time when, I, truthfully, I needed the show. It was something where I needed to be in contact with it. And I think for me, some unfortunate scheduling things and some fortunate strides personally have made it to where I'm content with certain aspects of my podcasting. <laughs> it I do to, remember getting hmm? threatened Um when I, I I actually asked for a co for someone to co-host, and Dave was like, "I need to do this." Yes, I need to do this. So. At that at that time, you know, I had there had been kind of a crumble in podcast for me because I ended one show and then turned around and things fell apart with uh, Xavier's podcast. So suddenly I'm like, "Oh wait, what have I done?" And Captain America. Yes, and Captain Sorry. America. <laughs> no, that's okay. So the, it, it ended up coming at a great time, and for me, it's just time for to move on. And when I thought about it, you know, I felt really bad because there were some stories I wanted to cover, but it's appropriate that the remaining episodes be Charlie's completely Charlie's. Cause that's how the show began. So it's kind of a full circle. Yes. Well, again, I want to thank you. And, and now it just leaves more, sh- more issues for day, uh, for Russell to cover Yep. on his show coming soon to a podcast near you. Hopefully, uh, but this is where Charlie and I <laughs> stare at the camera. <laughs> well, I should I should Russell. think you know Russell. Um, a lot of the listeners who have given me feedback and suggestions, who joined me with Superboy Adventures, with Legion Adventures, and with the DC Comics Presents, you've all been phenomenal. Just phenomenal. And, and I also got to thank you because that stuff was not going to be able to get covered without you being on the show. No. <laughs> and without us doing this, so that you had you were doing the backup feature. Um, because we probably, we would have just stuck with the Superman stuff as I have done. I have, we have, uh, the, the main part of the show has covered a few DC comics presents issues, but, uh, the Superboy and the Superboy and the Legion stuff, Superboy, I was hoping to get to, I don't know that I ever would have gotten to Legion stuff cause I don't know Legion stuff. And Dave knows Legion stuff. So <laughs> well, people who lo- know Legion stuff still don't know Legion stuff. Cause there's been <laughs> so- multiple Legions. Well, yeah, but you knew the Bronze Age stuff, I yeah. guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because it, so, it had Wildfire. Oh, of course, and that's Dave's favorite mm-hmm. Legionnaire. Absolutely. But, 
<laughs> but no, it's it's been an honor to have you with the show. And and this isn't the end of everything, though. No. Daredevil is still going. Yes. Make sure I want to make sure you all check that out because Dave is doing a bang up job with that. It uh, it is just a lot of fun to listen to, and he analyzes those issues. I don't know how you read so much into an issue. It just amazes me. I, I, I'm lucky to just be like, oh, look, his, I don't know. He's got a cool look on his face. And Dave's like, but why is he making that look? <laughs> Let's examine that a little closer. It's, it's, a, it's, it's awesome. weird because I did not expect the material to, to speak to me. I thought, you know, when I started Superman Forever, I thought, well, I know Superman. I know him in and out. And, you know, I was learning stuff. But with Daredevil, I know a lot about him. I'm not quite to the level I am with Superman. And every issue, I'm like, wow, I'm finding so much new stuff, and I'm just connecting. That's that's all there is to it. And I do have long-term plans for Dave's Daredevil podcast. So yes. that is continuing well into several years. So, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, so – and plus, see, without Dave, I would never have known that people get thrown out of Josie's Bar just about every time. Yep. You wouldn't know where Josie's Bar is in New York. Exactly. <laughs> Dave's found it. He Google searched that was Google. such a level of nerdery I've never seen before. <laughs> Even I'm looking at myself, you know that's nerdy, right? <laughs> well, until someone else finds Peter Parker's or the the, the Parker house in Queens, I, I I I can't fault it. It was cool. Thank you. And I, I've I've connected with the show, so I hope uh, I hope you'll forgive me. I think Superman's in wonderful hands in terms of podcasting because yeah. there's this show, and when that wraps up, you've still got Bailey and Taylor. You've still got Billy Hogan. Um, you've still Michael got Bradley's Michael Bradley. School. Yeah, I could not. Have, you've got the other Michael, Michael Bradley. So uh, podcasting wise, I think Superman's in great hands. Uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of sad. Uh, I've, I've moved a little bit more Marvel since DC kind of froze me out a little. Did you see Frozen? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. I just, you said Frozen. <laughs> so it made me think of that. Well, and Marvel is Disney, so. Yeah. No, uh, Marv, uh, DC canceled Adventures of Superman, which was this. Uh, digital first comic that every Monday just made my week start off right. It was classic Superman. Yeah, and I woke up and I was excited. And, I, and at that point, I realized, okay, uh, I'm always going to be a Superman fan. He's always going to be my absolute favorite. But I think I'm ready to put him on the shelf and just be a fan rather than a participant. It doesn't rule out way down the road, maybe picking up the mic when the work schedule clears up or something like that. But no plans in the immediate future, that's for sure. Except for maybe the final. Well, if you'll have me. Oh, I've, I've, I'm extending the invitation. Okay, yes. I will be back for the finale just so we can shed, shed tears together. Yes. So, Dave, we'll come back. But for now, we're going to go through the, journey, the rest of this journey together. And I will do my best to keep the show back on track because that would be really awesome. And there might be one or two other changes coming down with when we come back for uh, starting with issue or issue episode 101 but until then dave i want to thank you again and thank you for and, having uh, me. oh anytime and well since we mentioned it do you want to mention where daredevil where they can find dave's daredevil podcast well, that would be helpful um not only on <laughs> itunes um mainly at daredevilpodcast.com that has all the links where you can find it i try to make sure it's easily accessible and stitcher and stitcher mm -hmm. are you on anything else spreaker like spreaker i'm really inconsistent with so <laughs> Is Daredevil on there? Yes. Oh, cool. The last couple of episodes, so. Oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, I think you did like one episode where you just kind of winging it live on Spreaker. 
Yeah. I listen to that. <laughs> and, yep. and then I haven't touched Spreaker since. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I'll probably, I don't know. Maybe I'll cut that out. Anyway, so thanks again. And uh, we will, well, we won't. But I will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weider. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. You can also find the show on Stitcher Smart Radio, as well as Facebook, where you can get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Please make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones, on demand, and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. And now we're going to pause for a minute because my phone just but it inked. Because I thought I put it on silent, and I didn't. Hold Thanks, on a second. Thanks, Siri. Yes. <laughs>